Shortly after I got here, we started a sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. And that sermon series took 27 years. <laughs> Some of you feel like it did. And honestly, I don't think it was long enough. So here's what we're going to do. We're about to start into a very long journey through three books of the Bible, all of them centering around Jesus. I really think in our day, we need to be rooted in Jesus. And so I want to I, I take a walk with Jesus, but I want to do it from multiple directions. And I want to mix it up along the way, kind of like an 80 mixtape. I want to do a little bit here, and then jump to here, and then jump to here. That was too quick, Rylan. I didn't want that slide up. I was leading him there. I'm going easy. I'm going. He turns 16 tomorrow. I, I, don't, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> that comes with more expenses, stress, and lack of sleep um, for me. Um, so here are the three books we're going to walk through now. Here they are. We're going to walk through the book of Psalms, the Gospel according to Luke, and the Acts of the Apostles. Now, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, so it, it works to put Luke and Acts together. Historically, they have come in one unit. So we're going to walk through these books of the Bible. Now, every once in a while, we'll, we'll stop. Maybe we'll do something for Christmas. We'll do a little teaching over here on this topic every once in a while. But this journey we're about to take, we'll be, we will walk through every psalm, 150 psalms, and we will walk through the Gospel according to Luke. And we will walk through uh, the book of Acts. And we'll do some psalms. We'll do maybe 5, 10, 15 psalms. And then we'll jump into the Gospel of Luke. And then we're going we're gonna to walk through that narrative. And then we'll take a break and we'll walk through some more psalms. And eventually we'll be done with Luke by 2030. That's kind of where I'm thinking. And then, and then we'll, we'll pick up with Acts. And here's why I want to do it. Here's why I want to do it. Here, we'll put up this slide. Here's why I want to do it. I want to... It's coming. I promise. I like to think that my near 16-year-old is so captivated by what I am saying, he's not actually hearing me say, go to the next slide, please, Rylan. Here it is. I want, <laughs> this will be a multi-layered sermon. It'll be me and you and me and Rylan. Uh, all right. I want to learn what Jesus learned in the Psalms. I want to live like Jesus lived in Luke, and I want to listen as Jesus' disciples listened in Acts. There's some other verbs I could have used, but don't you like the alliteration? took a little work, but I want, to, I want to learn, I want to live, I want to listen, and I want it all to center around Jesus. And that's what we're going to be. We're going to be a people who exalt Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you're going to get everything else thrown in. So we start the journey with Psalms, the book of Psalms. That's where we're going to go. And you might ask, well, how long are we going to be there before we get to Luke? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're going to be in the Bible every week. But beyond that, just come. Let's take the journey together. All right? Do you always know when you need to have a, a rest stop along the way? No. So neither do I know when we will step into the gospel according to Luke. I'm thinking maybe five or ten Psalms and then we'll jump into Luke. That's kind of where I'm, what my thinking is right now. But why the Psalms? Why the Psalms? I really want to, let's just sit there for a second. Why the Psalms? Two big reasons I think we need the Psalms. Reason one, here it is. The Psalms shaped the mind and the heart of Jesus. 
We can't underestimate this. Do you remember over the last two weeks we've walked through Luke chapter 24? That leads set the stage. One, uh, the week after Easter, we actually walked through the whole chapter, Luke 24. And then we took something in Luke 24 and we, we really unpacked that a little bit more last week. But it was in Luke chapter 24, post-resurrection, He's teaching his disciples. He's actually standing there showing them his, his resurrected body, hands, feet. They don't believe. And then we read this. Luke 24, verse 44 through 46. He said to them, this is to the disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written uh, about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus went back into the Psalms as part of, of revealing who he was as the resurrected Messiah. The Psalms shaped his mind. I want to go, I want to go there. Like Whatever shaped Jesus' mind, I want to sit in that place. I also want us to realize that in His most intense moment of life, there on the cross. And even before that, Jesus was picking the Psalms to express the intensity of that moment. Just take a look. Just a few examples here. In Luke 20, verse 17, He quotes Psalm 118.22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And in Matthew 27.46, He quotes... Psalm 22.1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then on Luke, in Luke 23.46, uh, on the cross, still on the cross, quotes Psalm 31.5, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The last words Jesus probably spoke was a psalm. So I want us to be shaped by what shaped Jesus. Uh, one pastor theologian actually calls the psalms the songs. Of Jesus, the songs of Jesus. This would have been the song book he would have used growing up in synagogue, the songs of Jesus. I want you to, I, I don't always give you book references, but this one I want to show you because we'll be in the Psalms for so long. It's by Timothy Keller and with his wife Kathy. It's, the book is called The Songs of Jesus. It's a little devotional, and, and every day, uh, 365 days, he, he does uh, part of a devotion out of the Psalms. So the devotion starts, devotional starts with Psalm 1. And he just walks through the Psalms. And it's just a short devotional on every Psalm. I just recommend it to you uh, if you're looking for a devotional, a daily devotional. The Psalms of Jesus. The reason Keller picks this title is because it's the Psalms shape the mind and the heart of Jesus. I want to be what shaped Jesus. So that's why I want us to be in the Psalms. That's one reason. Now, the second reason is this. Here's the second reason I want to do it. We need a bigger vocabulary for our prayers and for our praise. So many times as a pastor, I get to I get to interact with you and many others and and, and you, you tell me things about God and the way you view God. And, and many people do this and they've been doing it for years. And I often find there's this refrain that comes up in my conversations where people think that if they don't say the right thing at the right time, God won't hear them. Or if they say what they think is the wrong thing at the wrong time or in the wrong way, God won't hear them. So they they just hope. That, that they're allowed to pray this thing that they want to pray. And I often will, all, will go back to the Psalms. 
and say, man, in the Psalms, the psalmist, often it's David, is crying out some pretty crazy things to God. He, he, he's talking about God forsaking him. He's talking about being angry. He's talking about being sad. He's talking about being downcast. He's talking about being depressed. He's talking about being on the mountaintops of praise. I mean, there's this range of emotion. And I think you and I need that vocabulary. Because so often we think, I'm not allowed to pray that. Or if we're really sad or we're depressed. Or we're just angry. Or you're just having a bad day. Or you want to, like, throw punch someone. Like you think, well, I can't say that to God. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You go tell God you want to throat punch that person. God can handle that prayer. Now, what you don't do is you don't go throat punch that person. Like, that's, that's where the line is. All right? Why don't you just give you a couple examples? Could you let me just give you a couple examples? Psalm 88. Psalm 88. The psalmist here cries out. Work with verse 13 and 14. Verse 18 is the last verse of the psalm. But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken from me, friend and neighbor, darkness is my closest friend. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like God's not hearing you? Or you're wondering, why did God, why did this happen to me? God must not love me. Well, the Psalms give you that vocabulary. It's okay to feel that. Where we don't go is we don't go to the point by saying, by saying, I reject you, God. Like, that's where the psalmist won't go. But golly, we need that vocabulary. And so many Christians don't think you're allowed to pray like that. Or you're even allowed to express that. Uh, in the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, that prayer uh, exists. So just, we need a bigger vocabulary. Just this week, a friend of mine was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I sent this friend who was very sad, angry, hopeful because they believe in Christ. But but this this just mixed bag of emotions. And this person didn't think they could pray a prayer of anger or sadness. It had to be the right prayer. And I sent them this psalm. So this is like a live pastoral moment here this week. Psalm 43, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. That's that's the kind of prayer some people need to pray. Like, I am downcast, I'm depressed, I am sad, but I'm going to keep hoping in God. You may not feel it right there. Your soul feels downcast, but I'm going to hope in God. And that's what this person needs. It's okay. It's okay. To tell God you're downcast and depressed. And then just, just by training of the will, but I'm not going to let go, and you're not going to let go of me, my hope is in God. So we, just, we need that kind of vocabulary. So that, that's one of the reasons we, we need to be looking at the Psalms. Uh, as I was reading this week, I came across a quote by John Calvin. So it's going to sound a bit Old English because the translation out of out of, out of the French is going to be a little bit uh, stilted in the English. But I want to read you the quote. Here's what this commentator writes. Truly, the Psalms affect our whole being. Or what John Calvin called an anatomy of all parts of the soul. Here's Calvin. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. The Holy Spirit here is drawn to the life, all the griefs and sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, perplexities, in short, all the distracting emotions which the minds of men are wont to be agitated. 
We need something that deals with our humanity. And the Psalms covers the whole spectrum. And we need that vocabulary as human beings living in a chaotic world. That's why we need the Psalms. So, I want to be shaped by what shaped Jesus. And I want a big vocabulary so that I have words to pray when I'm experiencing a range of emotions. That's why the Psalms. Alright, so we'll just start with Psalm 1. How's that sound? It really mixed you up if I said so. Psalm 87. Alright. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Now, I'm probably going to be working, uh, uh, working, uh, uh, I don't know if working is the verb I want. I'm going to be doing what I'm doing right now. I want to just read the passage out of the scripture. So if you have a Bible with you, come follow along. The reason I want to do it this way is because some of these Psalms get long. And I don't want to copy and paste onto a slide 40 some verses. All right. Nor do I want you to read it that way. I want you to be able to come along with the passage organically. So if you've got a Bible, come along, or maybe you want to listen. Historically, Christians have been listening to Scripture more than they've been reading Scripture um, over the centuries. So Psalm 1, six verses. Interesting enough, by the way, as you're turning there, i give you some time. Three years ago to the day, Mother's Day, three years ago, we finished our five-week series on Psalm 1. That was the first sermon series I preached. It was a five-week series just on this one psalm. And we finished it three years ago to the day. I thought it was interesting. All right. I don't know. I'm not going to read more into that. Just, that's just what it is. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on His law day and night. Well, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit, its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Again, I just told you, five weeks. We could spend five more weeks right here, but we're trying to do this a psalm a week. So I want to take big picture here. Big picture. Here's, if I had to summarize what's going on in Psalm 1. It launches the framework for the book of Psalms. Here's the summary. There are only two options for how to live. With God or away from God. There it is. I know in our complex world it seems like that's reduction. That, that's reductionistic. That's, that, that, that is to reduce life to something way too simple. But in the end, ultimately, you've got two ways to live. I mean, like, how you live when you wake up and get breakfast and go to school or go to your job. Like, there are just two ways. In the end, they're going to matter. You do it with God or without God. Like, that's how, that's how it's going to land. That's what the psalm, that's the heartbeat of the psalm. So, let's just flesh it out. We'll just take it verse by verse uh, in summary form. Here's how we'd summarize it. If you just watch the contrast in the psalm. So, if we do a little exegesis here. We just pull out what's happening. You can live by your own standards. Like what you want to do. What you think's right and wrong. Or you can live by God's Word. Those are going to be your two options. You can be like a wind-blown corn husk. Just, just blowing in the wind. Or you can be a rooted tree that never dies. Or, like verse 5 and 6, you can end up destroyed in judgment or blessed in the company of God and His people. Those are your two options. 
You can try to live your way or God's way. You, you can be like really unstable and unrooted and you feel like you feel like everything is rocking and shaking and and nothing, nothing feels stable. Or you can be like a tree that just doesn't move. And no matter what life throws at you, you will prosper. And you can get to the end of life and ultimately you can be exposed for who you are. And that will be judgment and destruction because you have given away your life to all the other idols and they have taken your life from you. Or you can be in the presence of God who is life and in the company of his people who share his life. I mean, those are your two options. Now, here's what's brilliant about Psalm 1. This framework of the with or away away from life, that framework is woven into the scriptures. And I just want to walk you through a few of them. I just want you to see, like, this just doesn't pop up in Psalm 1 out of nowhere. This is the heartbeat of, Psalm, uh, of the Scriptures. It's right here in Psalm 1, and it's going to come through the prophets, and it's going to come right through Jesus Himself. Check this out. Check out Jeremiah 17. And you see, you're going to see the overlap. I think, I think Jeremiah is pulling from Psalm 1 here. Jeremiah 17 He's speaking uh, here the words of the Lord. This is what the Lord said. says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Well, that person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will not dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. And then verse 7 and 8, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Well, they'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And it never fails to be fruitful. Two ways of living. You can be the kind of person that is blowing in the wind because you have no roots, or you can be the kind of person that trusts in God. You understand that your life is not your own, and you can be rooted. I'm just saying, I want that kind of life. I want a rooted life. I don't like feeling unstable. I don't know if we're going to get away from it in this life completely, but I want an eternal life that is rooted. Now, Let's just fast forward all the way up to Jesus, because I think Jesus has Psalm 1 inside of him. We know he's quoting other psalms. And Jesus understands, because Jesus is God himself, God in flesh, he understands there's two ways of life. Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, and then we'll pick up with that famous parable he tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus says, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. It's because it's an easy road. That's why you enter through it, because it's an easy road. Not many obstacles. Do what you want. Do your own thing. It's easy. Comfort. But a lot of people are going to go through it, and it will lead to destruction. And then he says this, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Then he tells this parable, everyone, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, when the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. you got two options. And it will be how you relate to Christ and His Word. He is the Word. He is the Word we meditate on. You stick with Jesus when, not if, when the storms come, you will be a, you will be stable. Doesn't mean you don't get mad and angry. Doesn't mean you're, you don't feel like your soul is downcast. That's the whole book of Psalms. Most of the book of Psalms is going to teach us all the emotions we can experience as God's people. But in the end, you will not fall. You will not fall. There's two ways. You can build on rock and sand. That's it. There are two rows, wide, narrow. Man, we love to complicate that. You walk into any university, you will find a plethora of options for understanding life. They will complicate it, and in the end, many of them will teach you that you are the center of the universe, and you can do what you want because you understand reality, and your feelings are an accurate gauge of what is real. But when you get to your deathbed, if you are so lucky to be conscious of it, you will find there was only two roads. Two roads, that's it. You can complicate it all you want. Two roads. There's two foundations. Sand, rock. And it is not smart to build on sand. Then Jesus says this. He says it one other way. Jesus always saying things in a way that I think makes sense. Just logical. John 15, just before he goes to the cross. John 15, verse 6, he writes. Uh, he writes. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. Years ago, we were up in rural Virginia where Tessa's parents uh, live. And we went on to the farm of uh, one of the church members at the church where my father-in-law preaches. And he had a small vineyard. And we were walking through this passage. I just I was sitting in this passage uh, in that season of life. And the older boys knew I was sitting in this passage. And we would talk about it sometimes. So we went over that vineyard and we cut off a piece of the vine. By evening, it was already shriveling up. And for years, I kept it in a baggie. Just as a reminder... When you cut yourself away from Christ, when you are separated from Christ, you wither. Like, that's not just some abstract, like, high idea up in the clouds. Literally, what Jesus is saying, just like cutting a branch off a tree withers, your life will wither too. Your life will wither too. And it probably won't happen, like, in an instant. It will happen slowly. And you will find your life brittle and unstable and chaotic. And you won't know how to handle it. it. It works. Like just in agriculture it works. It works because we are spiritual beings as well. Two ways. Two ways. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 lays out the fundamental framework for the rest of the Psalms. And it lays it out just from ordinary life. There are two ways of living. Alright, so let's make some application. Let's make some application. Let's get it down. i got two questions. Just two questions I'm asking. And the, the first goes for everybody. Second goes for everybody, but we're going to put a Mother's Day spin on it. I'd be remiss if I didn't have a Mother's Day spin somewhere here. Here it is. 
Who are you following? These are all ways of asking the same question. Who are, who are, you, who are we following? Who are we giving our attention to? To whom are we listening? It's just, I mean, like, and, and now I don't, I, I say this so much, but I just, I feel like we get into the church building and we think, well, this is church. We have to be churchy. We use words we don't use anywhere else in life. Like, this is our one hour to do something special, and then we'll go out in the world and do whatever we want. So, let me be very clear. There's nothing churchy about these questions. Who are you listening to? I don't mean what guru are you traveling to to go speak with on that mountain in Tibet to learn the wisdom of life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying at night, what do you turn on at night on the TV? Like, what are you watching? Like, literally, what are you watching? Like, that's, it's as simple as that. You're watching Fox News, CNN. Like, what are you watching? MSNBC, you're watching the Braves. I'm not saying anything about which way that's going. I'm just, are you watching? You're watching the NBA playoffs. You're listening to talk radio. Like, what are you, are you scrolling through Facebook? Are you looking at Instagram? Do you snap, 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 snap? Which, by the way, really? We just, like, take a picture of anything? You send it to your friends and that's supposed to mean something? That's a streak? Really? That's a streak? That's a streak? Why is that a streak? That's ridiculous. And I have the platform, so I get to say it. And I am the voice piece of God. And I just said, Snapchat is, Snapchat is, all right. All right. All right. We'll have a moment later for all teenagers to bring their phones up and get rid of Snapchat. You too, Sarah and Rama. You too. You too. <laughs> all right. I have it too. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so, so what I mean is like, what are you paying attention to? Because here's the point. Whatever you're paying attention to and listening to, that's the thing that will shape you. It's the person that will shape you. So if you're listening, for example, to like political commentary that's always angry, you will pick up that anger. You will. Like that's just going to happen. You're, you're going to have it, like you're going to have a little, like you're going to have more enemies just because you're going to see bad guys more often. I'm not saying don't watch political commentary. We have to be engaged citizens. I'm saying though, if you whatever your diet is full of, you become. And so if you're never eating God's Word, then how in the world are you to be full of life and stability founded on the rock? So again, I just want you to just... I think the first thing any of us can do is just be aware that pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Like, that's the point. Second application is this. Who is following us? So like, I want to be real clear here. Like, so, so often in my application is I think about it just as a believer... I'm often thinking about how this applies to me, as if I'm an island. I exist on my own. I think it's very important to remember, people are also following you. Like, people are watching you. I don't care if you have kids or not. You have people in your life, and they watch you. And some of them will pick up who you are, and they will become like you. It's just the way relationships work. So who's following you, and what are they becoming? This is the reason that kids are such a blessing and curse. Man, they make me so angry. But do you know why? You know the moment they make me most angry? When they do something that I do. And I know it's not right. And I know I'm punishing the thing that they're doing that's not right. But I know I do the very same thing. I'm just the one in power, so like I win. But man, kids are a mirror. 
friends can be a mirror. If you're a boss, your employees can be a mirror. I get, the point is, pay attention to who's following you because your example matters. So when we're talking about building your life on a rock, just remember your life you're influencing. If you're a parent, you're helping teach your kids how to build a life. And are you teaching them to build on sand or rock? Are you teaching them to walk in the way of sinners and mockers like Psalm 1 talks about? Are you teaching them to be a person that meditates on something that is eternal like the Word of God? The point is, who is following you? Now I want to give you some kudos to you moms. Because mothers have a way of shaping their children in a unique way. And there are so many in this room that follow Christ because their moms brought them up in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you men, you, you, you're not, you, don't, you don't get some kudos too. But historically, it's those women bringing those kids to church that makes the difference. Now, the challenge there is men get your rear end in church and you come along with your wives or those ladies. Now, I understand jobs and life situations. I understand. So, please understand. That's a general uh, admonition there to us guys. But you women have made such a difference. Interesting, this church itself started because Miss Pugh started having a Sunday school class with a bunch of kids. This church is founded on the faithful work of a woman. Now, there is this one guy in the Bible where we see clearly that two women in his life made all the difference. Paul writes this in his second letter to Timothy. He writes this. 2 Timothy 1.5, he writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith. He's talking to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Because of Grandma Lois, which got passed on to Mom Eunice, this young man Timothy made a massive difference in the early church. So to you moms, you deserve a lot of praise for what you're doing to get your kids here. So, like, I'm actually, the cool thing is I, I get to say this live in front of you, you ladies. Like, so if I'm looking at you, you women, you're here. Like, so, like, good job being here, <laughs> okay? Because your influence on those that you're raising will make a difference, an eternal difference. Now, here's the thing. Some of you I know raised your kids up in the church and they're not in the church anymore. You can't control that. You cannot control that. God is the one in control of all that. You cannot control that, but you did the thing within your influence. So well done. Keep doing it. But you do not hold the burden if your adult child stays in church or doesn't stay in church. You can't control that. And one day my four will have to make decisions. We cannot control that. But you know you do what you can do. And so your influence matters, moms. And because of Lois and Eunice, you got a Timothy. So keep doing what you're doing. And you women that may not have kids, you, I'm telling you, if you're in a church family, you've got a bunch of kids in the faith. And I am so grateful that so many women in this church are teaching our little ones. And they're doing it right now. They're teaching our little ones. And they're passing on the faith. So just be thinking, as we're thinking about these two ways of life, who's following you? Because your life matters, particularly for you, Mom. All right, here's the next step. Now, again, I'm going, like, like I'm going to basic on this one. Read Psalm, every, Psalm 1 every day. Read Psalm 1 every day. I'm assuming all of you got access to a Bible. 
Now, we have not leveraged our text messaging service uh, uh, here recently on an everyday reminder, but on this one we will. So every day at 7.30, so, so someone one time asked me not to put it in the morning, early in the morning, so we're going a little, a little bit later in the evening. At 7.30 every day this week, starting today, you're going to get a reminder if you're on our text messaging service, read Psalm 1. And then there'll be a little quotation from Psalm 1. Okay, you only have a limited number of characters we can use. Read Psalm 1 before you go to bed. Alright? And just let God do something with that. The Holy Spirit will use His Word. Alright? Now, if you're not on that text messaging service, will you, like, put it on your Connect card? You would like to be on it and put your cell phone number, okay? Uh, there's no pressure here. Uh, or you can just come see me and we can do it live before you leave, all right? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We want to be a people, a Psalm 1 people, a people who live with you, a people who live not by our standards but by your word, a people building on the rock of Christ. Not on sand. But we sure need a lot of help with that. So please help us. We pray that in the name of Christ.